0: All right. Should be on now. Do you hear me? All right, we're going to Is it on? There? there we go. Is that Can you hear me now? All right. It's kind of like that old Sprint commercial. Can you hear me now? All right. As you guys gather back in, I want to introduce a very good friend of mine. Some of you called yesterday or texted and said, "Did you know someone's camping in the parking lot?" And I was like, yeah, I knew about it. And I told him he could, he could park there, he could camp there. And then this morning, everybody's walking in, they're like, why is there a camper in the parking lot? Well, I'll introduce you, a really good friend of mine named Charlie White. And I think, Charlie, are you going to tell him a little bit about how we met and stuff like that? He's going to talk for a minute. He just wanted to share. Um, Charlie was part of the church we started in Montana eight years ago. Seems like we've known each other a lot longer but here's the mic. Charlie's going to share. I do have to mention one thing that when we first met, um, I used to wear black, almost exclusively. Black shirts, dark clothes, dark black shoes, and black coat. I think because we had lived in Poland for eight years, we just got used to wearing like dark colors, and I wore black. I just like black, plus black makes you look slimmer. (laughs) And so Charlie always, he's wearing a, normal shirt today, but usually he's wearing loud shirts. And so he finally got tired of the black and he bought me a couple loud shirts and I didn't wear them for a while until he shamed me in front of the whole church. And then I started wearing them. But eight years later, now you can't stop me. So I'm just going to put that somewhere, somehow Charlie did this. so
1: It's all my fault. Always my fault. Yeah, I re- I remember uh, we were in Montana, and kept seeing this sign in front of this little church building that says, Crossroads, coming soon. Crossroads, coming soon. Well, oh, that's nice. It's two months. Where's Crossroads? One day, I drive by, prepare to stop. There's three cars in the parking lot. I'm going to stop. I stop, open the door. Sean is walking like this, and he stops and goes, oh, hi, I'm Sean. I go, I'm Charlie. He says, uh, 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 we don't have service yet. And I go, so? When? And he says, well, hey, we got a budget meeting. We're just starting. You want to come join us? And yeah, all that, was, that was it. That was it. I was hooked. And uh, thank God for uh, Sean, because I kind of slid down the hill a little bit. And with God's help, he's pushed me back up. And then he would always have these little challenges that he would challenge the church body with. And the one that I really love is, and I I accept challenges. You challenge me, I'm going to accept it. And I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to do it, because God's with me. Um, So he, he comes in and says, okay, I challenge everybody to donate 10% every month of your paycheck. I'm going, right, I live in Social Security, I'm gonna give you 10%, you know, that isn't anything. So he challenged me. There is three months out of eight years I didn't make a payment. Otherwise, it has been there every day, every, every month. And God has blessed me so much in those years. I mean, I don't worry about money. First thing I do, I just pay, pay it, and God takes care of me. It's always been for the last eight years if there needed to be for money, suddenly money showed up. It's like when I was coming up here, I was going to hit Shauna for gas money. Before I left, two people handed me $300. To pay for gas.
0: We're You're out of it. We're probably still going to give you some
1: gas. I've got to get home. Um, so God's given me a little uh, chore, and that is to go around, find smaller churches, and help them out, repair items, and move on to another church. And this is the way I get to enjoy a church body and all God's work. And I get to help them out. And Sean always, he he had a bunch of other challenges. And I'll tell you, I took them all up. And it's been great. Thanks, Charlie.
0: So it doesn't seem like eight years. It actually seems like a lot longer. I don't know if that's a joke or not. But it seems like forever. It seems like a really long time. Uh, we've had such a good time. So, Charlie's going to spend the week. You'll see the trailer for a couple days. Depending on how his schedule works out, he may be here for as little as a day, depending on a phone call he gets later today, or maybe here for a couple days, uh, maybe up until Thursday. But either way, if he leaves early, he'll be back because he's leaving his stuff here. So, I'll be living in it because. Actually, somebody came in this morning and they said, What's the stuff in the front? And I said, Lydia kicked me out. <laughs> I'm living in the parking lot now. And they were like, What? It was Marina. She said, I don't believe you. She didn't even miss a beat. She didn't even look surprised. Grace I think bought it. it no, Grace didn't buy it. I wouldn't have that nice of a- I wouldn't have that nice of a spot. <laughs> wow. Don't cross that woman. <laughs> so Charlie's going to hang out all week. I sent him a list of about, I don't know, eight things and he arrived yesterday a little earlier than expected. And he went through the building and found another eight 100, <laughs> another 28, uh, so we're going to spend all week, um, and uh, Dave Hostick's going to help a little, well, or we're going to help Dave, I don't know which way it is, uh, as Dave gets walls prepared for the volunteer teams to paint, and uh, we're going to replace and repair and tweak and all kinds of stuff, so by the end of the summer, you're not going to recognize it here anymore. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> it's Okay. So we're going to be in Ephesians to start, I'm sorry, Proverbs to start, Proverbs 12, page 309 in the Pew Bibles, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you probably saw the title. I don't know if it does it, there it is, How to Destroy the Church in Five Easy Steps, and you were like, why, what is going on here? Because that's a weird title, right? It's like, okay, why is Pastor Sean going to tell us how to destroy the church? That's an example of what is called situational irony. Uh, So another example of a situational irony would be if the fire station burned down or the police station were robbed. Those are situational ironies. So the point here is not that I'm going to encourage you to destroy the church, but I'm going to tell you that if the five things we talk about in the next weeks to come happen in this church or in any church, it will be destroyed. And there are dying churches all across the country. All kinds of different reasons they're dying. Some are dying because they didn't reach out to the community. Some are dying because uh, they didn't bring uh, younger people in, and when all the older people died, there wasn't anybody left, so the churches had to close. There are about 100 churches a week closing their doors in the United States, if you can believe that. I know it's a mind-boggling number when you think about it. It's a lot of churches closing. And for a variety of reasons. But I guarantee you that no matter how their position is on the community, how their position is internally or with budgets or buildings or all that other kind of stuff, I guarantee you that they probably have one or more of these five things going on in the church that contributed to the death of the church in a dramatic way. So the reason we're, we're doing this is not so that you can go home and craft your evil plan, <laughs> but so that we can learn to avoid these things because Scripture talks about these things. They, they, they run throughout the Word. They start with Moses. They run through Jesus' words. They run through Paul's Word. They run through the other writers of the epistles and the other writers in the Old Testament. And, and, and over and over again, these men are saying to us through God's Word, as the Holy Spirit spoke to them about what to write, they're saying to us, don't do these five things. Because these five things will destroy the church. The first one we're going to talk about is lying. Now, I know that's like, whoa. You're like, you're probably thinking, I don't have a problem with that. Billy's leaving because he's like, no, I'm just kidding, Billy. Just kidding. <laughs> Billy's like, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> these, these things have everything to do with our conduct and our attitude and allowing Christ to work in us and through us and transform us. And so the first one we're going to talk about is destroy the church by lying. So to get started, let's define what it means to lie. Let's take a look at the word here. Make an intentional false statement. Has anybody ever made an intentional false statement? Some of you are like, (laughs) sit on your hands. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have all done that at one time or another. Proverbs twelve. Let's turn to that again. That's going to be um, in the P Bible, page three hundred nine. Proverbs twelve seventeen through twenty says this: Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. And I want to take this passage, and then we're going to go to Ephesians in a minute, and just take these two passages and kind of step through them as we talk about what Scripture says about speaking truthfully. The first thing it says in Proverbs is, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. The writer here is simply saying, speak the truth. That sounds easy, right? Have y'all, have y'all lived in the world? <laughs> it's not always as easy to tell the truth as we think it is. You want to tell the truth, but you know there's going to be ramifications, so what do you do? You budget a little. Yeah, you kind of half-truth it out. The writer here is saying the the person who speaks truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. He's simply saying, don't be deceitful. Don't lie. Don't twist. Don't fudge. Don't wiggle. This I think it's going to take some commitment on our part because I'm not standing up here today pointing at everybody saying that y'all are liars, any more than you're doing that to me. But what is the Scripture saying? I mean, if it's in Scripture over and over and over and over again, then it must be something that Moses and Jesus and Paul and all the other writers recognized in humanity that's an issue. We want to make sure the church isn't destroyed by lying and that our relationships aren't destroyed by lying. So the first thing we have to do, I know sometimes it just comes down to that, right? how do you not lie? Tell the truth. Sounds simple, right? It sounds like a very simple statement. The next thing he says here is that truth and wisdom bring healing. There's a connection between truth and healing and deceit or lying and injury. Have you ever been hurt by somebody who was harsh with the truth? You can be hurt by harsh truth, right? But by and large, truth heals. Truth makes things transparent. Truth puts all the cards on the table. Truth says, here are all the things that are at play in this situation. Let's talk through them. Deceit and covering things up can cause injury and harm. Has anybody ever told the truth? I hope some of you raise your hand on that one. What did it feel like? Good. Has anybody ever told the truth when it was hard? Yeah? Has anybody ever told the truth when you knew it was going to cost something? Yeah? How did that feel? Terrible? (laughs) Painful? Some people are like thumbs down? It's that dynamic that often keeps a person from telling the truth. That feeling that if I tell the truth, something's going to happen. There's going to be pain. There's going to be problem. There's going to be issue. There's going to be something that has to be talked out. Has anybody ever lied to you? How did that feel? Sad. How else? Irritating. Good. What else? Angry. What else? Disappointed you ever been really hurt, like gutted by a lie? Somebody said something about you that wasn't true to somebody else and word got back to you and you're like, ugh, how could they say that? They don't even know me, but they're saying these things about me. I know that's one of those things as Lydia and I have been talking about reading Facebook uh, and the, the chats that run around in the community where people share, oh, this is happening in Elmwood Park and that's happening and there's probably one for Schiller Park and Franklin Park and all the parks and people share about stuff that's going on. And it's, you know, somebody will write and they'll ask a the request. And the first person to answer is real nice. It's like, oh, who can, who can work on my concrete? Oh, I know such a guy. You know. And then the next person writes something. And then you get down like three or four down and everything just goes right down the toilet. Have you ever had that experience? You read those. And it's like by the end, it's like, hey, meet me out in front of the house and let's throw down. And it's like this person just wanted to help with their concrete and you're going to have a fight over it. Because it's hurtful the way we say things to each other. And the writer here is like, you know, we have to be careful with what we say. We want to be truthful in all things. We don't want to get on Facebook and whip people up with a bunch of hearsay and get people mad and angry. We don't want to do that in the church either, do we? We've got to be truthful. If something happens, we address the person... That it happened, and this is going to be stealing a little bit from a message coming down the road, another way to destroy the church, proper conflict resolution. But when somebody does something, you talk to that person. You don't talk about that person to somebody else. You just go to the person and you talk it out. Because it doesn't feel good for things to go on behind your back. Words of truthfulness bring healing because the truth Shows that you have wisdom. We're going to read some more about this in a second. A wise person is truthful. So the corollary to that must also be true that a liar is a foolish person, right? Somebody who tells lies is a foolish person. In fact, Proverbs ten eighteen says just as much, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Whoever utters slander is a fool. And if I don't know what house you grew up in, that, that was always one of those things they're like, don't ever call anybody a fool. The Bible says never tell somebody they're a fool. But the author of Proverbs said if you're lying, you're being foolish. A fool slanders other people. So in other words, to lie is to be foolish. The third thing here we see is deceit and evil are anti-peace. They're the exact opposite of peace. What's one of the things Christ said about the church? The church to be what? Anybody get, throw out some words? United, United Unified. And you know what? You have to have to have a sense of unity in the body of Christ. You have to have peace. You have to be at peace with one another. You have to be transparent when there's conflicts, when there's issues, you have to talk to the person. You talk to one another, you work them out. You iron those things out in the Lord, and that leads to peace. But deceit, it says, and evil are anti-peace. They're the exact opposite of what God wants in us. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. 14 says, strive for peace with everyone. That's like your job. You get up in the morning, it's like, what do I do today? Strive for peace with everyone. Write that down. Put that on your dashboard in your car. Especially put that on your dashboard in your car. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without without which no one will see the Lord. Isn't that an interesting passage? Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Does it sound like the writer of Hebrews is serious about this? Do you want to see the Lord? Strive to be at peace with everyone. Do you want to see the Lord? Strive to be holy. I'm not going to expound too much on this because it's pretty pointed. If you lie, you're a fool. If you're truthful, you're wise. If you have striving for peace with everyone, and holiness, you will see the Lord. Now I want to turn to Ephesians 4 because Paul talks about this, and there's so many other places we could go in this. And in fact, I think Ephesians 4, we'll be reading the next time we pick up, and I'm not sure, do we take, I can never remember, do we take Saturdays and Sundays or Sundays and Mondays? It's Sundays and Mondays, right? So Tuesday, I am caught up, I just never remember what day of the week it is. I have to look at that little chart every day. I don't know why. Probably because I'm 50. 51. Lydia hates that. Ephesians 4. We'll be reading this this week. We're going to read from verse 17 on to verse 32 and see what it says. And then we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit. It says this. uh, and And I apologize. It's in page 569 in your pew Bibles if you're following along. Here's what it says. Now I say... And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt and thoroughly deceitful and through, deep, uh, sorry, and through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. So says, therefore, having put away falsehood, that's having put away lying, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Please do not miss that connection. That's Paul's explanation for why do you tell the truth? Because we are all members one of another. There's a lot of other reasons. But don't ever forget that. If you are in Christ and you are in the body of Christ, you are members of one another. You're not an island. You don't stand alone. You affect and your, your mouth, your attitude, The things you do and the things you don't do affect everybody else in the body of Christ. Therefore, having put away falsehood that is lying, let each one of you speak the truth of his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good, Remember this from a couple weeks ago, for building up, we talked about building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And one more, yeah, two more. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, again, lying, be put away from you, along with all malice be kind to one another tenderhearted forgive one another as god in christ forgave you now there's so much we could study here so much we're talking about and we'll probably use this passage in some of the other of the five of these parts because it's so rich but for now i want to focus on verses uh, 25 and 29 25 says therefore having put away falsehood having put away falsehood let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. I don't know if this was an experience in your household, but growing up, I can't tell you how many times I remember my parents saying, put your toys away. Anybody? And if you've been a parent, you've probably uttered those words. It's been a long time since I've had to tell Kara to put her toys away. Kara's here with us today. Hey, Kara, back from college. Say hi to her today. See there? I threw you right under the bus, sweetie. It's been a long time since I've had to tell Kara and Abby and Rebecca to put their toys away. But I do remember the day that that happened. Do you guys remember what that was like growing up? Your parents would be like, put the toys away. I don't know if it was like for you, but for me as a child, it it was repetitive. And I was an only child. But it was over, and it was over, and over, and over. and, And it was like, put the dishes away. Put the clothes away. Put the dogs away. Put your toys away. Put the laundry away. Put it away. Let's just, that, that's, that's the verbal phrase that Paul is using here, put away falsehood. Let's take a look at what it means. The first definition is to return something to its correct or proper place. But there's another definition that I think Paul had in mind, and it's this one. To put something aside, to put it aside. Have you ever experienced the battle of the pacifier? Anybody, you're a parent, or maybe you experienced it yourself, if you would be so transparent as to say, you remember, you didn't want to give up your own pacifier, but as parents, maybe you remember, I asked Lydia the other day, she said, no, none of our kids even really cared about their pacifier. We didn't have that battle. But I know some people, anybody, you battled the battle of the pacifier. I see some hands. Was it Jordan? Oh, dang it. Because if it was Jordan, we could really stick it to him. And, And we're on the internet, so it would be out there live and in person for all eternity. Poor Josh. Sorry, Josh, if you're watching. Did you find it hard for that child to give the pacifier up? Did you? What was it like? It was terrible. You wanted him to put it aside. I think. Paul is talking in this verse when he says, put away, some scripture translations actually translate translate that as put aside. I think put aside is more what Paul had in mind. Because when we put things away, like I put my clothes away, I get them out again and I use them. If I put away the laundry, I get the laundry out later. If I put away the dishes, I get the dishes out and use them again. So Paul's not saying put away falsehood." in such a way that you can now go take it out again and use it. He's saying put it aside because you've outgrown it. Much as a child outgrows a pacifier or outgrows sucking their thumb, that's something as a parent you don't want your child to put away their pacifier. I don't know about you. I don't see very many adults walking around with pacifiers. There might be some somewhere. I don't know. You don't want your child to be in like junior high, high school, and they've still got the pacifier. You want them to put it aside. You want it to be gone. It's like, I'm done with this, and I'm not going to use it again. Paul puts it this way in, in 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I, put up, I gave up childish things. And that's, that's, the, that's the essence of what we're talking about today. He wants us to give up falsehood, put aside lying, put aside deceit and be mature. When I grew up, I gave up childish things. If you have trouble with the truth, (laughs) if the truth is a, a foggy thing for you, Paul says, put that aside, you've outgrown it. If you're in Christ, now your job is to be truthful. Stop being a child And put it away, because lying has absolutely no place in the person who is a Christ follower. It has absolutely no place in the church, which is Christ's body and his bride. It has no place there. He also says, don't let any corrupting talk uh, come out of your mouth, but that which builds up. Instead, in verse 29, he says that very thing, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. There's some thought there because you say what fits the occasion. That's also a sign of maturity. You ever known somebody, you talk to them and it's like something's happening and we're talking about this thing and they just throw something else out of there out of the middle of nowhere. And you're just like, how does that fit in this conversation? That's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, say what fits in the occasion and make sure it builds people up. Make sure that when they hear it, They're edified. That's a fancy church word. It just means that they grow. Do you like words that tear you down or words that build you up better? I know, it's kind of a loaded question, right? Somebody out there is like, yeah, I really love it when people tear me down. I hope not. We love it when people build us up. And Paul's saying, remember, if you are a Christ follower, you are mature, and now your job is to build others up. I love that he chose the word corrupt or corrupting because if you think about that word, I mean, I have the definition. I don't think it's up on the screen. The definition of corrupt is to infect or contaminate. We all know what it's like to have something digital become corrupted, right, Chad? You ever had a corrupted hard drive? (laughs) Chad was telling the story the other day. He had to find some data on a hard drive at at the office. It was beyond corrupt. Somebody had drilled the hard drive out which is what you drill through the disks, right? Yeah, well, that's beyond corrupt. That's like destroyed. But if a hard drive's corrupt, you can't get the data off of it anymore. What happens if a a church becomes corrupt? What happens if an individual becomes corrupt? That's bad, And I love that he chose the word corrupt because corrupt carries the idea of an infection. And I don't know, uh, you can say a lot of things about an infection, but one of the things I do know about infections is infections spread. And so when Paul chose the word corrupting talk and he coupled that with putting off falsehood and not lying, what he's saying is lying, falsehood, deceit spread. They spread from one person to another person to another person, to another person. And you know what happens when that story spreads is it changes a little every time too, right? So by the time it gets from person one to person five, it's like a different story. Make no mistake, Paul's using the word corrupt here on purpose. What I want you to grasp is that even one little lie, one little misstep with the truth, one little uh, fudging of the truth, will begin a process by which that lie spreads, and it contaminates, and it corrupts. You've probably seen this in circles of friends you've had. You may have even seen it in a church that you've been in before. You may have seen it in this church. I don't know. I've seen it in every church we've ever been in. At one time or another, somebody will say something to somebody else, and it'll go to somebody else, somebody else, and all of a sudden you get the story, and it's like, well, this is a completely different story. Or maybe it's the same story, but it's been gossiped along the way, which is another one of our five. We're going to touch on that one later as well. No mistake, lying corrupts whatever it touches. If you have a hard drive and it becomes corrupt, what happens? You can't use it anymore. It's destroyed, it's ruined. The data's gone, you can't recover it. What happens if a church becomes corrupt? can't be used, it becomes unusable. What happens if a person becomes corrupt? They're evil. I mean, it's just like you you can't have a relationship with that person because whatever they touch becomes corrupted. Ephesians 5, also, we're going to read this week. In verse 15, 15 to 20, Paul, I love these verses because he talks about instead of here's what's wrong, he said here's what's right. Right? And so we can spend our time, and we've spent most of this message talking about the what's wrong. What's wrong? Lying. Don't lie. Put off falsehood. Put it away and be done with it. But it's much easier, in my experience, if you focus on the what's right. And you do the thing that uh, accomplishes what you want without focusing on the wrong. Because I don't know, in my experience, when you focus on the wrong, you tend to just kind of get stuck doing it or thinking about it. So as we read this, these words of Paul start out with the words, Look carefully, then, how you walk. So let that be our our challenge. I love that Charlie brought up challenges. I do love challenges. Let us be careful how we walk. Let's read this together, starting in verse 15 of chapter 5 of Ephesians. He says, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Man, we could talk about these passages. They just are so rich. Making the best use of time. Do you squander time? (laughs) Why? Because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time you have. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish. Put away foolishness. Put aside foolishness. Grow up. Mature. Stand up. Be an adult. Put on the big boy pants. And follow Christ. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, and is be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. Listen how he says to address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow. When was the last time you sang to somebody in church? (laughs) You just walked up to him and started singing a song. (laughs) That sounds weird, doesn't it? That's what the truth is like. It's like a beautiful melody. I love it. He says songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing And making melody to the Lord with your heart. Remember, what comes out of the heart? Whatever you put in there. Do you want melodies? (laughs) Words of the Lord. Scripture. Kind words. Kindness. Things that build others up. Encouragement to come out. You have to put those things in there. And I like Netflix as much as the next person, but if all we're putting in is Netflix and Hulu and Facebook. and I mean, I like to watch some of that stuff. But some of us are just ingesting so much of that. But that's what comes out in our mouth, in our attitude, in our thoughts, in our walk. And so instead of spiritual songs and hymns and melodies and the words of God and things that are building others up all this garbage comes out and we say things we don't mean and we're all guilty of that i i'm guilty of that say things that was like we i said this a couple weeks ago have you ever said something and then you said i don't know why i said that that's not like me remember that it's you if you said it it's like you to stop trying to step up that's not i'm not like that yeah you are that's a hard pill to swallow. It is like you, and it is like me. But Paul has given us the solution. Be careful how you live. Some of us are just like looking down the road to the next thing. What's the next thing? I hope I get there. It could be the next vacation. It could be whatever. You fill in the blank. The next hit of Netflix. Whatever you're thinking about right now. I'm going to say lunch, and everybody's going to go, Yeah, I'm hungry. Whatever that next thing, you're just looking down the road to the next thing. Paul says, be very careful how you live. That, in, that implies the now. Right now, right in this moment, be very careful. Be very careful in the next 15 or 20 minutes. Be very careful in the next 30 minutes when, when we're done singing and we're done praying and we get together and we talk. Be very careful in the next hour when you leave here and go to lunch. Be very careful in the next day. And the rest of the day, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Did you guys remember the scripture I read at the beginning? I read it out of, out of Ephesians also. I love what he said. Let me look down. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You ever prayed and asked God? That would be a great prayer. Go back and read Ephesians today. You should have read this already, but, I mean, read it again. Read Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and make that a prayer. It's like the longest sentence, I think, in the whole Bible. It goes like six or seven verses before there's a breath or a period. But one of the things he says is to, to ask and to pray that the eyes of your heart are open and enlightened to what God's will is you ever prayed that prayer and asked, God, "What a, that's living carefully. That's being very careful how you live. God, what do I need to see now? What do I need to see next? What do I need to see in this situation? How can I help? How can I encourage? How can I build up? How can I tell the truth? How can I inter- encourage the truth be born into this situation and spoken into this situation? How can I, as it says in Hebrews, strive for peace? and strive for holiness. This is what Paul means when he says, be very careful then how you live. And if we can get a hold of what Paul and Jesus and Moses and the other writers are saying to us, not only in this message today, but over the five messages that we talk about this topic, if we can get a hold of these and we can take some steps forward and up in maturity, this church, this community, Elmwood Park, everywhere around us, everybody we touch, every person we interact with, everybody we talk to will be changed. Not for our glory, not for my glory, not for the name of the church, which Charlie and I were out walking around, and you all know this, but he's like, there's no name on this building. There's no name on this property, and we have some Banners on the fence. But he's like I was like, We've been here a year, we just hadn't got around to it. He's like he's like, I would have done that the first week. I don't know. There's a lot to do, right? And you're like, a name on the building. I don't know, we'll get there. We need a name on the building, right? But we're not doing it for the name on the building. What we're doing, we do for God. For his glory, for his honor, and for his praise. I'm gonna pray. We're going to sing a closing song, but if there's any one thing you could take out of here today, it's that phrase that Paul wrote where he says, be very careful then how you live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll drive the words out of Ephesians and out of Hebrews and out out of Proverbs deep into our hearts today. Lord, that you'll help us to put aside... To walk away from, to, to, to grow up from immaturity. Today's immaturity we talked about was falsehood. It was about lying. But, but God, you so much want us to just grow up. You want us to walk, not crawl. You want us to strive. That's not just stand. You want us to, to encourage and to love, and to speak truth. Speak truth into our families, speak truth into our church, speak truth into our workplace, into our homes, into our schools, into our community. And Lord, as we as a church have, have raised our eyes to see our community, Lord, I pray that you continue to give us a heart for this community that we might be a point of light and a point of truth in Elmwood Park, in a, in a country and in a culture where the truth is kind of a shifting target. Where what was true 20 years ago is no longer true today and what's true today may not be true tomorrow. Lord, help us to be truthful. Help us to examine your word. Help us to digest it and to drive it deep into our hearts. And Lord, when we speak to one another, that we speak words of encouragement, words of love, words that build up and don't tear down. Words, songs, hymns, spiritual songs, scripture. Lord, help us to examine our our inputs if we find that things we're watching and ingesting are things that are coming out of our mouth and showing up in our thoughts, Lord, help us, give us the boldness, give us the desire, give us the the willingness to listen to you as we examine our inputs. That we find ourselves a year from now, a month from now, a week from now in a better position than we are today to speak truth and love. To love our brothers and sisters. To speak honestly. To have conversations. To be transparent. Lord, to lift others up. And to strive. To strive. To strive for peace. Because that's what you want and that's what pleases you. And Lord, your scripture says that when the world looks in on the church and they see a group of people who love each other, And who honor you they see christ in action in the flesh in the church but lord when they look into a church and they see problem and they see strife and they see disagreement and they see deceit and they see it looks just like the world inside the church not that the world um, is not invited into the church lord but that the church just acts like everybody else then maybe they wonder, is there really anything to this, God? Maybe there's not really anything to you, God. But when they look in the church and they see a group of people, Lord, they see us changed, struggling, but striving. Lord, it says in your word that you will draw them to yourself through those who love you and honor you. Those who have peace with one another, so Lord, I pray that you'll make us that kind of body. As we look out to the twenty-four thousand in Elmwood Park that you've called us to be a light to, I pray that when they look back at us, they see Christ. They see your Son reflected in our face, reflected in our smile, heard in our words, seen in our actions and that you receive glory and honor and praise as they are stricken with a choice. Lord, the choice to know you or to reject you. And Lord, we're all faced with that choice. Lord, today, us here in this room are are stricken with the choice. Receive Christ as Lord and Savior or reject him and walk our own way. And so, Lord, I pray that as we as a church body, and as individuals now wrangle with this in our own hearts. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today that does not know you and has not placed their faith in you, Lord, they can reach out to you. You're close. You've promised. All we have to do is call on your name. Believe in our hearts that you raised your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, and that we will be saved. Lord, that's the message for us today. That's the message for each of us in this room, and that's the message that we're to take out of this place. So, Lord, I pray that you challenge us with that. And if anyone here today accepts you as Lord and Savior, it says in Scripture that you will fill them with the Holy Spirit. You'll mark them sealed. When you look at them now, you see them through the filter of Christ and they become acceptable and they become righteous on the, on the basis of what Christ did for them, Lord. And we thank you that those of us who are in Christ are seen through that very filter. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for our village. I thank you for the lawnmower and the train and the, the no air conditioning. It says in all things, be thankful. So Lord, we thank you for all these things. Give us a cheerful spirit and a willing heart. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, stand with us as we close this morning with this
1: song.